0: To women wanting women where we explore topics that matter to women like us we talk about being a woman attracting women and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization i'm your hostess lesbian love coach jordana michelle And if you're interested in finding your soulmate, so you could be best friends who learn together and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and have amazing sex together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with amazing free resources like my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and since I'm a great matchmaker and I might already be connected to the woman of your dreams, I also offer everyone a free survey you can fill out so that I can keep you in mind as I meet extraordinary women just like you through the work that I'm doing in our community. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before I go any further, I have a question. Have you ever made an excuse for why you don't have more of the things you want in life? We all have, but every once in a while, someone else comes along who's had things a thousand times harder than we ever had it, but yet despite those obstacles, still managed to achieve a level of success beyond even the biggest goals we ever set for ourselves. And being in the presence of that Is a great way to remind ourselves what we're truly capable of because the difference between somebody else achieving something and ourselves achieving that same thing is only a question of how. That's why I'm so excited to share this interview on the podcast because my guest Kimmer Luna is someone who's gone from living on welfare to having a million dollar business and an army of devoted fans. Kimra is amazing not only because of her success, but because of the outrageous obstacles she's had to overcome to get to where she is in life. Kimra has lived through everything from abuse to sexual violence to racism to depression to dropping out of college and so many more stories that you will hear her describe in detail in this interview. In this interview, we get to hear what it sounds like to never give up and to always be on the lookout to make things better instead of looking for ways to complain. Kimra Luna is the founder of Freedom Hackers, and she's a personal branding and online business strategist. She helps freedom-seeking entrepreneurs to stand out, captivate their audience's attention, and monetize their authentic brands online. Kimra is the creator of Be True Brand You, her signature online program, which has 1,500 students currently enrolled, and she has another 5,000 students enrolled in her other online programs. You can find her on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Kimra Luna, but before you do, please stick around and enjoy this deeply personal interview with the unstoppable Kimra Luna. Hi. Kimra <laughs> Luna, thank you so much for being here, and I love that it's my first in-person interview that I've had for the podcast, so face-to-face Yes, podcasting. I love it. Um, welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me and inviting me to your home and giving me delicious chocolate from your freezer yeah. <laughs> that you made from scratch, made with love. I always want that sort of stuff. I love it. <laughs> yeah, my chocolate is ridiculously amazing. For sure. uh, so the secret's out. <laughs> the secret's out. You got it. Everyone has to find her chocolate recipe. <laughs>
0: cool. So the reason that I'm so excited to have you here is because of the incredible example that you set for queer women. Um, from someone who's really gone from absolutely nothing, from the hardest of backgrounds, everything from abuse to welfare to you're going to tell us all about it, but to have taken yourself from that to absolute incredible success. And it's such a great story, and I really am so excited. And you're someone who talks openly about that, not only that, but also the tools that you use to achieve success, personal growth, inner game stuff that anyone can anyone can use and I think it's really important for us even though we do have it harder it's hard to be a queer woman there's no question that we have massive obstacles in our life but I love the fact that you have a no complaining attitude and no excuses attitude and I really want you to I'm so excited for you to be here to share your inner game tools with everyone and your story as well.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited, too. And, you know, I don't get to share a lot of non-business tactics. So this is going to be a really wonderful interview, I think, today. So, yeah, So totally. super excited.
0: So, yeah, so here we have Kimberluna, not for it all, a marketing technical interview. <laughs> this is really uh, a personal thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to jump right into it. Let's talk about your background and where you came from. It's an extraordinary story.
1: Yeah, I was raised in Nampa, Idaho. Um, It's a small town. And um, being different in general um, is not really tolerated there. Um, And as a little girl, I was always just unique. I never felt like I fit into my family. I always thought to myself, why am I around these people like I felt like they it's like my it's like I felt like all of Idaho just wasn't my place like I shouldn't have been born there like I was like somebody just tossed me in the bunch. And I I remember, you know, just growing up in a family that was just complete chaos from birth. I, I really didn't have a day where I didn't have fear of being harmed. And um, my mother was extremely abusive um, to the point where I literally have scars on my body from from physical harm that has happened from her. Um, I was molested as a child. I had family, other family members who were very abusive to me. My oldest brother actually almost killed me when I was 17 years old. Um, it was just extremely rough, extremely violent, violent, um, household. Um, and even when there was good days, there's still, I don't feel even any of the good memories would be considered even good because it's, was so rare you know it wasn't like I had like oh happy-go-lucky birthday parties it was like oh I have a birthday party and my cousins are trying to throw each other through a wall um, at my birthday when I'm like eight years old Um, and then growing up in Idaho there was also a lot of racism as well happening in my neighborhood Um, um, we literally had neo-nazis who lived around the corner from us Um, they would kill our pets I remember them hanging our dog from a tree Um, Because my grandpa is black, I have a lot of cousins who are black, I'm mixed, half Mexican, so my whole family was tormented by them as well. So it was like I had chaos in the home, and then chaos outside the home, fearful of even walking to school, um, because I was afraid that neo-Nazis would come out and start attacking me, because they would be screaming at me and my sister, yelling horrifying things to us when we would be walking to elementary school. So... It's like I literally just lived in this bubble of like, I just felt trapped my whole childhood. And then discovering that I liked girls was a whole another interesting thing because I went to church and at church I was told this was wrong. And I remember the girl, the first girl I had a crush on, her name was Trisha. And she had dark, dark brown hair, dark eyes, freckles. I still love women with freckles (laughs) to this day. I've always like had this thing for freckles. And um, she was just so beautiful to me. And I remember like trying to do things to impress her and things like that. You know, growing up in a space where I, I wasn't able to be myself and I wasn't able to. So I had to hide who I was as a person. But then I also felt so trapped because there was so much violence and anger and all these things around me. And I just didn't even know who to be, like who I was. It was so hard to figure that out. And I just remember as a teenager, um, you know, still having only liking girls. I didn't like boys. I pretended to like boys just so that I would fit in. And I got in trouble at church camp from making out with this boy and it was kind of like I did it on purpose so that they wouldn't think that I was a lesbian because all of I we stayed in these cabins with all these women and I'm like 13 years old and I'm like, oh, my gosh, all these girls I have crushes on are here and I hope they don't see me looking at them. And I, they had a shower that was like a shower where everybody took a shower together and I would take showers at midnight so that I wouldn't be in there because I didn't want them to think I was looking at any of them. So it was really, like, horrifying because it was, like, I had to be stuck in, like, this little tiny cocoon, like, my whole life. I had no, like, escape from it, though. It was, like, more of a straitjacket, I guess, than a, cocoon, than a cocoon. And, you know, by the time I I actually I, – I, so I would pray to God every single day. God, please make it so I would like boys. Like, I don't want to like girls anymore. I'm going to go to hell if I do this, you know. And I – so I I pray this and pray this and pray this and then when I turned 16 I actually got a crush on a boy. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, like I can actually go to heaven now." You know? Like I'm like there's nothing wrong with me now. I'm fixed. But I still wasn't fixed. I still had crushes on girls too. So I was just like, "Oh great. Now I'm just confused. Like something's wrong with me." And then I after high school, I left immediately. 2 weeks after I graduated high school, I moved to I moved to Seattle with some of my punk rock friends. And, um, and of course you guys listening on audio, you can't see me. I'm like a punk rock chick. You know, I got the piercings in my face and, you know, the pink hair and I, and I had a pink and purple purple hair and, and I had a, a big gigantic pink mohawk in high school. So it wasn't like I was just like, you know, this like queer kid that didn't know what was going on, this queer kid that was stuck at church in a small town where everybody like hates gay people. Um I on top of that I also was a punk rocker so I looked different than everybody too. So I looked and dressed different and was picked on for that on top of it. So it was just like it's like everything just piled on top of each other. I moved to Seattle and I and I was like oh my gosh like there's people that are like me. It was really like this big awakening of like I'm not the only person who is like how I am. And they had churches that had rainbow flags on the sides of them and I was like oh my gosh Like, there's churches that, like, don't think it's wrong for you to be gay. Like, this is amazing, you know? And so my eyes started really opening. Like, finally, like, leaving Idaho, I was able to escape my family. That's literally why I was like, I need to escape these people. They're just horrible. And and I just remember being, like, it was just such an uh aha, like, oh my gosh, there, and there's a girl that I met there, she's this lesbian girl, and I, and I have had a hard time, I've been trying to get a hold of her again, but she was, like, my first, like, lesbian friend, but, like, I still wasn't out of the closet, but, like, she was, like, my friend, and I was just, like, oh, wow, like, this is, like, so cool, like, she just, like, she just expresses who she loves, like, the way she wants to, and it was just really interesting, because she was my first friend, her name was Nicole. And I can't, I can't remember the, her last name, so I haven't been able to find her anywhere online. So if anybody knows this Nicole girl from Seattle, she's a cute little Asian girl. <laughs> like, like if anybody knows her, like, tell her to come my way because I want to talk with her. Um, but it was – it, I still was in the closet. I was still kind of ashamed that I was the way I was. But it was really heartwarming to finally see, like, oh, there's people that are similar to me. And that was kind of like the beginning of, like, my personal growth, like, journey of, like – Okay, like I don't need to be trapped in, you know, Idaho where there's a bunch of Nazis and racist people and family that's abusing me and just a place where there was no opportunity. Like it was just it's it just like to me I feel like Idaho is like a black hole that just sucks people in. And I feel bad cuz I know a lot of people that li- like living in Idaho, but to me it was just it was just a dark 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 place. I be- I rarely ever even visit. I've only visited one time in like 10 years. Um and and anyway, so that was kind of my first start of, like, personal development. I first started having my own business back then. I booked concerts for a living. I started touring with punk bands right after I that. And you start that? Well, when I lived in Idaho, there was, like, this little um, venue called JD and Friends, and it was owned by this, like, hip-hop black guy, which is not a lot of black people in Idaho. So it was like, wow, like, there's, like, a little, like, club. They play, like, hip-hop music, you know? And um, he would let us do punk shows there. And so um, I got all of my CDs out and I looked at the emails of all the record labels and I emailed all the record labels and I just asked them, hey, can I book your band in Boise, Idaho? Because a, a lot of times it's like a stop between Salt Lake and Portland. A lot of uh, tour ban- tours would go that direction. So I was like, oh, well, you could stop in Idaho, you know, right? So I basically just. I didn't know I was starting a business, but I just wanted to book punk shows, and so I started, I just got all the CDs, emailed the record labels, and said, hey, do do any of your bands want to, you know, come to Idaho? I don't know how much I can pay you, but at least, you know, you could come, right? And I started booking, like, legendary punk bands, like, from day one. I was, like, oh, they're, like, oh, Sick of It All wants to play there and the Partisans and all these, like, class, old classic bands and stuff. And, and I was just, like, uh, okay, like, like basically, like, fangirling, like, every single band that I was booking. It was kind of crazy. Um, but I started, that was, like, my very, very first business. And I ended up moving to Seattle or to California. And I moved there to kind of keep following that career doing that. Um, but shortly after that, um, I ended up being raped by someone who was in the industry. And um, so I ended up basically leaving all that behind, even though I was really good at it, and I made really good money doing it. Um, I, I was raped, and then I just... Literally just like I just I just can't be in this industry anymore. I can't be connected because all of his friends were friend like fr- there's so many friends that were friends with him and it was just it was just too much. So um, I ended up leaving that industry, but it was kind of a good time to do it anyway, because the economy was crashing. And a few months after I was raped, I met my husband. And he, you know, it, it was kind of like, okay, it's just a good time to just stop. And I, I, and I think I needed it at that time too. I, I was happy the economy crashed actually, because it gave me time to breathe. And what, that, was 2008 that was 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So, and me and me and my, me and my, um, husband had been together for a few years at that time. So, but I met him shortly after I was raped and I never told him, I didn't tell him for 10 years. um, and um and so and that was really 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 rough because I had a lot of friends that would try to get me get to get back into booking like once the economy started picking up oh you should do it again and all this stuff and I was just like no I can't like and like I just couldn't ever tell people why and then you know I, I couldn't even tell my own husband why um even after having kids I mean I remember the midwife would ask you oh have you ever been raped or anything like that and I always would tell them no. Why do you lie? I just was ashamed and I didn't want people asking more questions. I didn't want people being like, Oh, who was it? Why did they do this? Like, you know, I just didn't, it's like, I just didn't want to cause a problem, I guess, you know, overcome that shame. I mean, I think the biggest part of it was realizing that other people had experienced the same thing. Um, I think it's like, I just felt very lonely and I felt like people wouldn't understand me. Um, but now, you know, I see that because I've only, I have only told my husband two years ago. I didn't even tell my closest friends. Nobody. Nobody knew at all. And I didn't tell him until we were, like, in therapy sessions. And we were, like, in the process of actually getting divorced. Um, But that was when I first, like, told him. And he was just, like, he was so in shock. Like, he didn't even. I mean. Sorry, now I'm starting to cry. Because he he felt like he couldn't protect me. And. And he didn't even know me when it happened, but he still felt like he was supposed to be someone who would protect me or keep me safe. And it was really hard to tell him that because we were already, like, starting to end our relationship. And it made him feel extremely guilty that, like, he felt he could have done better for me and things like that. And and it's really hard because it's like, obviously, you know, we're not together anymore, but we're still friends. Like, we still genuinely care about each other. and. I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand that. They're like, "Well, why aren't you still with him?" and all these things. And I was just like, "It just didn't work," you know. But I feel sometimes that was why I didn't want to say something is that I didn't want him to feel guilty and like, like he wasn't helping me heal more or do more for me or, or he did something wrong and made things worse for me or something like that. So I think the longer you hold it in, the harder it is because it's like, then though you know, it's like the person didn't know what happened maybe they would have behaved differently or done things differently and yeah so it was it was really complicated like telling him you know I was very scared to tell him because I I knew that he would have felt really upset that he would have thought he could have done more you know and he still thinks that so you know and I think that there's just so many reasons why people don't Come out and say, you know, I, I've never even told people like who it was that actually did it to me, besides like a few close friends. Um, but I mean, if I did say what happened to him, I mean, it would just it would cause a bunch of chaos in like the music industry and all of these things. And so it's like I still have to keep it in because I don't want other people to be harmed by me saying it. So it's su- it's such a weird kind of internal battle, you know. And when you see, stopping you from healing in ways that you need to heal more. I don't think so um, because I feel like I I know that I'm protecting other people because some people think, oh, you're protecting the person that harmed you, but I'm actually not. I'm protecting groups and groups and groups of people um, that if they found out what he did, their careers and their lives would be ruined and they are people that didn't do anything wrong and were actually supportive and loving to me. So it's, yeah, it's just a really it's very conflicting and I think it can be really hard because a lot of people say, Oh, like you should call the person out and, and all this sort of stuff. And, and I feel I, it's very conflicting to me. It's always has been, you know, cause I've always been like, Oh, should I just say, or like when I would see like his band, like get on this really great tour or something, it's like, Oh, should I say something, you know? And, and it's really hard for me to like not say something, but me not saying something is actually better for everybody. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a really weird time nowadays because everybody's like, Oh, the me too movement. And everybody's like calling people out and, and all these things. And I'm just like, it's like, I don't, I, it's like, yes, I want to share my story, but I don't want to call the person out. And I think a lot of people, they almost shame us and not because we don't want to do that. Like we're like, they're shaming someone who's a victim because they don't want to say the person's name who harmed them. And I'm like, most of the people are family members or friends that have been the person that raped us. Women aren't it's not the number one way a woman is raped is on the street. It's by a family member or a friend or somebody they know. And so there's a lot of repercussions that happen. And if we look at, you know, the stuff that happened with Dr. Ford, I mean, her whole entire life has been completely ruined. It's just death threats every day. Her family has to move every single day. They can't even stay in the same hotel for a day because of so many threats. Because she came out and and said something. And so you know, those sorts of things, death threats could happen to me if I called this person out. Why would I bring that upon my family and my children? And so there's a lot of reasons why women keep those things in. And it's and it's it's really sad that that's what we have to do sometimes, but sometimes it is for the better to keep in who harmed us um and other people are like oh well they're going to go harm other people and so it's like i understand why there's women that take 20 30 40 years to say something about somebody that harmed them um because there are repercussions to it there's i mean i don't want death threats on my family or my kids you know like that's just crazy to to do that so you know and some people might even be like oh that's selfish of you but i don't feel it is at all i feel like if someone doesn't want to say who harmed them or when they were harmed, or what happened to them, they shouldn't have to say it. Um, it's our own journey and our own path. So, um, but yeah, so that's mostly where I came up. I came from. I came from, I guess, to answer the question. Um, so I've just experienced a lot of these just crazy things in my life, and I'm still going through things. Um, but I ha- I was able to persevere through a lot of things, and I think I I. Th- I'm, and I'm actually grateful that I had a really bad childhood. Um, there one of my, my friend Kamal. He's written a few books, and he told me he said the way to be a great writer is to have a horrible childhood. He's like, that's how you become the number one bestseller, <laughs> and and I laughed, but I was just like, man, I could become a number one bestseller <laughs> because I got all sorts of stories. Um. But, you know, I, I, it makes me grateful that I experienced that because I feel like I needed that resilience in order to grow businesses that I have now in order to be able to be able to handle it when there's, you know, online haters and, and I mean, after I came out of the closet, cause I've only been out of the closet for a few months publicly and my ex-husband and a few close friends were the only people that really knew like that I was pansexual and any of this stuff. And um, so I came out of the closet publicly. It was a really big deal because I already had such a big following. I mean, even when I posted I was getting divorced, people were just like completely devastated because they saw my life online. they were like, oh, Kimra has it all. She has the the really hot hipster looking husband and she has like the cute kids with the long hair and she has everything, you know. And when I posted that, people were so devastated. I had people calling me crying. You know, and I'm like, I'm actually not. It's okay. Like I'm all right. You know, and they're like freaking out, and and so that was kind of crazy. It was like I had to come out of the closet as a person being divorced, because in a way, it's like I had all this success, but that's considered a failure in society you know, and so that was kind of
0: very conflicting. It like your success, your relationship with your husband is a success. He seems like a wonderful friend, and it seems like the yeah. relationship you built is a beautiful one. You just didn't want to be married to him.
1: Yes, exactly. So, and I think people don't understand that. They think, oh, well, if he's your friend, like, you should still be with him, and that's better for the kids, or there's all these other things, and I'm just like, no, I don't think it is better for the kids, you know, to to have parents that aren't, like, madly in love with each other. Like, like no like they they like it's yeah it's just it's, it's interesting um but then when i came out of the closet after i had already had you know emailing 65,000 people um to say hey i'm gay you know like um that was really hard, you know, um, because I didn't know, like, are people going to not, not like me anymore? Like, are people, is that going to change people's perception of me? And then I'm like, oh, everyone's going to think I'm divorced because I'm gay, but that's, like, not the reason. Like, you know, it was, like, all these things just, like, flew, flying through my head. And, and so I, I went, my friend invited me to speak on stage at, an, at his event. Um, and at the event, the the topic was finding love. And he wanted me to talk about, you know, finding love in business, like, you know, like finding your passions and all these sorts of things. And I was just like, is it okay if I share like a whole different story? And he's just like, Yeah, I trust you. And I decided to make a coming out, you know, little 15-minute speech and share my story of my experiences as a kid growing up in a place where they're like, you're not supposed to be gay and you know, my mom telling me to like. Don't go by the lesbian neighbors like as if it was gonna like make me lesbian or something. And I'm like, oh, jokes on you, mom. like I already am a lesbian, you know. Um, but but yeah, it was very, it was just, you know, I just grew up in this very weird place and then all of a sudden I have this big audience and there's like light on me. like pe- like pe- like I'm like uh, there's a spotlight on who I am. and then to have to share these things that are like, well, that's going to change everybody's beliefs about me or thoughts about me and things like that. But I knew I had to say something. Plus it would have been like really weird if I'm like posting pictures with like a girlfriend or something. And they're like, wait, what, what, you know, then it's just even more confusing. So I figured, you know, I just might as well tell everyone. So I do this little speech on stage and we had, I had 15 minutes to talk and, you know, I, I just shared what, what had happened and what just my experiences as a kid. And so many people afterwards came up to me and they're like, wow, that's so brave of you. You know, you're coming out of the closet and you're like 32 years old and like, like, you know, you have all these kids and stuff and, you know, and, and I was just like, you know what? I, I had to do it. I had to say it out loud publicly. You know, most people would just tell their, their friends. But for me, it's like, I, I, it's like I needed the world to know for some reason. Um, and I, and after I sent out that email, I did lose a lot of followers. I lost a few thousand people off my email list. Um, I lost thousands on on my Facebook, thousands on my um my Instagram account. So yeah, cause my Instagram account, yeah, it was like at twenty thousand, and now it's like down to like seventeen. So people actually wow. stopped following me um after I came out of the closet, which was kind of shocking to me because some of those people I know had been following me for years, and then all of a sudden because I'm a little bit different than them, um uh, <laughs> you know, which I already was different anyway. I'm like the weirdo with piercings in my face. You know, um, but then all of a sudden they stopped liking me just because of my sexuality. Um, That was, it was hurtful. But then I also ended up getting, it was well over a thousand emails from Pete and then a tons of Facebook messages too of people thanking me for saying it because a lot of people they might be queer and they're afraid to express that online. You know, if they're building up a personal brand that's around their personality or even as a service provider because I think, oh, someone might not want to work with me if they find out I'm gay or bisexual or something. So, you know, it it was hard for me and I knew that I was going to lose followers. I knew that you know, there was going to be people that wouldn't like it. I knew that there was going to be haters. Um, I've got some pretty, really grotesque um, YouTube comments. Um, and so not so much on Facebook, because I think on Facebook people, are it's too connected to them. They, like, don't want to say anything on YouTube. They're, like, anonymous, and so they, like, will say horrible things. Um but, yeah, it's it's just been interesting. But I do feel like I got all these emails from people that were thanking me and so happy I said something. And people are just like, oh, yeah, you know, my daughter's bisexual. And, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that there's bisexual leaders and gay leaders that are people coming out of the closet. Um, They're like, we need more of that type of leadership. And it makes me really grateful that, you know, now that I am out of the closet, you know, people are like, wow, Cameron, like, like, you're someone who can help, like pave the way for more queer people to be accepted in business just in general because I feel like in business there's there's a lot of blocks and there's not a lot of people that are serving you know the queer community um in the business and like teaching business and in the business capacity because they do go through different things you know that's why I think you know there's there's all different types of groups of people that you know have any sort of been oppressed in any way or discriminated against in any way you know like that's why we need, you know, groups that specifically help women. That's why we need groups that specifically help women of color. You know, we need these sorts of organizations and, and people that are help, help them with business because they do struggle from different things than regular people do. And myself, it was mostly an internal struggle, I think, because it was like, should I just be me? You know, or should I just keep that part hidden of me? Should that be something that's never public? And I could have just kept it in. But I knew in the long, work, long term it was going to help inspire and influence way more people. And I was recently invited to speak at an event. It's called Queer Hustle and it's L- in L.A. And it's the first event that's specifically for queer um, women and femme identifying folks who are business owners. And they've invited me to be the keynote speaker there. And I'm super excited to do it because it's like kind of the first time I'll be on stage at like, you know, a, you know, an LGBTQ kind of specific event. Um, but I feel like it's time for these sorts of events to be happening. I feel it's time because there are a lot of people who are so talented and so amazing but there's a lot of things that are still holding them back from being able to push their businesses forward um being being queer um but yeah so anyways that's kind of
0: my story <laughs> <laughs> amazing I, I had so many questions along the way but you are in such a role i i couldn't possibly interrupt you're such an like just an engaging person to listen to it's extraordinary um but so, I mean, I think a lot of what you said is so easy to relate to. And then some of it is just so extreme that there's only going to be, you know, some people. But anyone can look at you and say, wow, Like you, there's no question that you have come from unbelievably extraordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just thinking about what you were saying about your childhood and how terrifying every moment must have been. And the sense that you could never relax. And then to go mm-hmm. from there to the success that you've had. Um, overcoming so much. I want to just hear about the tools that you've used because if we're going to be helping, I mean, that that, yeah. that is what I'm doing. I'm here to help queer women mm-hmm. and um, to talk to someone who has literally gone through all of this and gone to such success. What are some tools? Like, what did you do to, to make this possible? for yourself?
1: Yeah, so when I, I became a stay-at-home mom in the middle of nowhere in Virginia, so I was like, right. I went from moving in ca- living in California. My husband had got a job which that job had got us off of welfare. We were actually living on welfare, living at my in-law's house with two kids. Um, we finally got off of welfare. We moved to Virginia. And I became this stay-at-home mom and kind of just became bored. Like, I'm a very highly passionate person just in general. Anybody that knows me knows I knows I basically exude passion at all times. And I was very bored. And so I, I asked my husband if we could get a computer because I didn't even have a computer. I'm just like, I want to get a computer. And he's like, well, I think with our tax return, we can get, you know, an iMac. Right. So I was like, okay, cool. I get this iMac. And I had wanted to start a vegan mommy blog because I already had a vegan mommy Facebook group I'd been running for a long time. So I was like, I'm going to start this blog. And I just started Googling. I didn't even know how to use my computer. I was like, what the hell is Safari? You know, like I liked it, like I was just like, i will not techie or anything at all, but I was just I was like, I'm just gonna figure this out. So I started searching like how to grow a blog, how to have a successful online business. And I, you know, I came across people like Pat Flynn and James Wedmore and all these people that have these online businesses, right? And I was just like, oh, I'm gonna listen to everything they say and just like start doing stuff. And I just did that little by little over time. I grew my blog to over 100,000 unique viewers a month with no paid traffic at all and I was growing it through Pinterest through my Facebook group and through my YouTube channel and I didn't even do any video editing on my YouTube channel because I was like a stay-at-home mom I didn't have time to freaking sit around editing videos all damn day like I had to take care of the kids you know so I I didn't even edit my videos I would just hold up my iPhone and film a video and post it and within eight months I had 25,000 YouTube subscribers just from posting videos of what I was doing on a day-to-day. Like, it was so, like... It's because you're such an interesting person. <laughs> and it really, like, it really yeah. is. Like, just listening to you talk, there's yeah. no question of why people are listening. But And I had to go for it, you know? It was kind of like I just... It's like I just had to do it, you know? But what was inside of you? Like,
0: that's what I want to know, because so many people could have been so paralyzed, you know, having a mother who abuses you, being raped, like, these things that are just so, like... So many people in the same situation could just be frozen inside. Mm -hmm. How did you not, like, I love the story of how you had success, but people could listen to the J.M. White interview of that. I want to hear what was inside. How did you get over that?
1: I spent a lot of work on personal development. When I first met my husband, he introduced me to the law of attraction. And when I first, he, or he showed me the movie The Secret. We had probably been together maybe three or four months, and I had actually been raped three or four months before we met, so it was maybe about six months after I'd been raped, and I learned about the law of attraction, and it was kind of shocking to me because at first I was like, wow, why is nobody even teaching people this, but then at the same time, I was like, that means I have to take responsibility for everything I've attracted in my life. And I had just attracted... Yeah, so
0: let's press pause and explain yeah, what that yeah. is because I, I think people who don't know what law of attraction is, like, yeah. it's really important. Let's... Yeah,
1: so taking responsibility for everything you've attracted is basically taking responsibility for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you know, we had to... I had to be like, you know what? I have manifested some pretty horrible things, which really sucks. And it took me a long time to really accept that responsibility um oh, did you? Even a few years, actually. Um, what I did is I spent a lot of time journaling, understanding myself, catching myself when I started, you know, having a lot of toxic thoughts or s- bad self-talk was probably the worst where I was just like, oh, I suck. I'm a loser. I can't do anything. Like um, All of those things that were always going on in my head, I had to just say, no, I don't accept that. I don't believe those things anymore, and I'm going to prove to the universe that I don't believe it by actually surrounding myself with great people rather than hanging out with friends that just complain all the time, by, you know, reading personal development books, by, you know, stud- listening to Abraham Hicks all day long. If you guys don't know Abraham Hicks, you got to listen to Abraham. <laughs> I'm such a big Abraham. She's controversial, but she. but I'm just obsessed. And my second son, we call him my Abraham baby, because I listened to Abraham for like eight hours a day during the whole pregnancy. And I manifested the most beautiful birth like ever. It was like, so perfect. It was just completely magical. And anyway, so I have Abraham baby. That's a whole other thing. Um, But I ask and it is given. yes, asking it is given. Yes, I love that book. And, um, you know, like, I really had to check myself. It just took extreme amounts of self awareness, to the point where If I feel something, like, even today in dating, I'll I'll tell someone, like, okay, you said something that kind of triggered me. But it's not you. What you said was okay. I'm just letting you know how I'm feeling right now so that I don't build up resentment towards you. Because I feel like resentment is the biggest thing that ruins relationships over time. And... I, so they're yeah.
0: taking responsibility for your inner yes. experience and yes. not making her wrong for yes. what she did.
1: Yes, not making the other person wrong for what they did. So really extreme
0: taking responsibility.
1: It, for yeah, what it's like to the max. Like, I think that most people, they think, oh, I could just say a bunch of positive affirmations and my whole life is going to change. And yes, that stuff helps. Um, but you truly have to, like, to take real responsibility is tuning into your body and feeling what you feel. And being like, you know what, that thing messed with me, dissected a little bit, why did that thing mess with mess with my head a little bit, why am I feeling upset about that, why am I feeling weepy because, you know, the person on the date said this particular thing that I didn't like, and truly accepting that and be like, that's that's what happened, this is what I'm going to do to change that, this is how I'm going to feel better, this is, like, like you have to make a choice to feel better, and, um, and
0: also you're just hotter that way. But when yes. I, what
1: I want to like go back to because this is yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. You're talking about taking
0: responsibility, mm-hmm. and you're also telling a story of how you were raped, about how your mother like abused you in all these ways. How can someone listening, who's been through a similar situation, like where do they start, and and how does how can you take responsibility? What does that really mean in a situation like that for yeah. them? Well,
1: one start is remembering that you're not completely broken. Everything is fixable. I feel like our mind can be fixed in a way. And, you know, I did suffer from a lot of depression, um, really severe postpartum depression after my first son was born. And I always got to this point where I was like, there's something bigger than just me. You know, there's things that are more important than. Just all this stuff. And, you know, I would like watch, you know, Oprah Super Soul Sunday and hear these people's stories. And I'm like, I went through way worse crap than that person did. <laughs> you know. And I'm like, what am I doing sitting here complaining or not taking action on the things that I want to do and what I want to achieve in my life? You know, am I going to just sit here and wallow and feel like a loser the rest of my life because I'm on welfare and I can't, you know, pay for diapers for the kids? Or am I going to freaking do something about it? And sometimes we just let our mind, you know, hold us back. And I feel like that's one of the things that everyone has to make. You have to make a true decision. You know, the book Think and Grow Rich, the first chapter is decision. But you can say, oh, I want to, you know, do this super amazing thing. But then you don't take any action on it. What are you really telling yourself? You're telling yourself you don't even really actually care about that dream. No. You're telling the universe you don't even care because you're not even going out and taking the action. And I had to do, like, I couldn't afford therapists. I was on welfare. I just could read books. I could just journal. I could just, you know, anytime I was feeling bad, I would start journaling and journaling and journaling. I love journaling. That's probably, I would say it's the number one thing that gets me out of any sort of bad headspace. Um, but you have to be very mindful and aware. When things start, you know, creeping up, you need to stop. You know, like a lot of people they, you know, have big outbursts and I think it's funny cuz people they think that only kids have tantrums, well, I feel adults have tantrums way more than kids do. Um and the adults are usually worse. <laughs> you know, like um but I feel like we we really have to just check in with ourselves and if we're not doing that on an almost hourly basis, we can go down a really bad place. Um, I've been diagnosed with PTSD. I used to have extremely severe panic attacks all the time. And so I'm a person who I can go from very high ups to very low downs very quickly. But I have to forgive myself for having those times when I'm that way and say, you know what, that's what happened. How can I fig- How can I prevent that from happening the next time? And I've been able to manage my panic attacks. I've been able to manage just any sort of really deep depressions because I can feel when it starts creeping in. And it's just I've practiced that self-awareness for so long that now I know when it's like, uh oh, I'm going I'm going down the wrong path. Because with the way the law of attraction works is when you start going, you can you can manifest either way. You can manifest a whole entire giant pile of crap on top of you, or you can manifest you know, a wonderful, beautiful abundance, so I I have to check myself, because I go from one side to the other very fast, and a lot of people that talk about law of attraction don't talk about this, they think, oh, just stay positive all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, and I feel I kind of need that dark stuff to appreciate when I am in the highs, and I am feeling amazing, like, it's like I kind of need it a little bit, which is very strange, but I I need sometimes the bad things to help me appreciate the good things. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but...
0: (laughs) It makes sense, and what I really think is important to stress is that for anyone who's finding themselves right now saying, you know, looking at you as someone who's gone from welfare to a million-dollar business, um, who's feeling like they're stuck and and they're in a point they wouldn't even know where to start, I I think the important thing to focus on and what you said... uh, in addition to absolutely everything else that you said <laughs> is that the question about decision mm-hmm. is making the decision to look at your life and take responsibility for where your thoughts are right now right because mm-hmm. that's really what it sounds like you had yeah. to do yeah. right talk more about the decision and and that and the inner thought process and what it really means to manifest because and, and how that relates to the law of attraction
1: yeah the decision making part definitely is the key because you have to almost like Prove to the universe that you're committing to what you are saying you really want in your life. If you want to have a successful business, if you want to have successful relationships, I mean, with relationships, it's pretty easy. Start kicking out the ones that suck, <laughs> you know, or or avoiding them as much as you can. And start bringing in good ones. Start getting healthy relationships. Get a relationship coach, even if you're not in a relationship. Learn to be good at that. These, it's, it takes skill.
0: And
1: if you can't afford a coach. If you can't, like you can't said, afford a coach, books. books, and there's so much content on YouTube, nobody has any excuse to, like, not learn, you know, and not grow and educate themselves. There's zero excuse to not be journaling every day. Like, you can't afford paper and a pen. You're probably not listening to a podcast. You know, everybody that's listening to podcasts could probably get a paper and a pen. I love that. You nobody know? has
0: any excuse not to learn. It's so important yeah. because, you know, people are going home a lot of the time watching you know, TV that can numb their
1: mind. they like watching CSI every day or something. It's like, what is that doing for you? I mean, go ahead and watch it if you want to, but I feel like why don't you watch some personal development videos on YouTube? <laughs> you know, like, I don't like know. A podcast, or a like podcast, that. yeah. that
0: could be just as interesting Yes, yeah. me. And that's that decision. You find yourself, you hate your you know, your life isn't where you want it to be. There's that making a decision, committing to what you want in life, and then just understanding yeah. that it doesn't matter where you start from, yeah. right? I mean, let camera be proof that there's nowhere you can start from that you can't take yourself out of. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the and step. there was a very big decision that I made, which was actually to not watch television. And I, did, I spent five years not watching television at all. And instead of that time, I replaced that with building my relationship with my son, um, with working on my personal development, with healing through past traumas. And again, I didn't even have money at this point. I was on welfare. And I made a decision to study personal development while on welfare. Like, who was – like, you know what I mean? It's like, who is reading business books and personal development books while they're on welfare? Very, very few people. I've never even heard of anyone, you know? But it's because I made that decision. I committed to it. I was like, I am committed to having a happy life. I want this for myself. I want this for my children and future children. And I want this for my relationships. I had to make a, a decision, and that was before I even had my business, I have now.
0: Before you even had the decision to want it, it sounds like you had to have a decision inside that you deserved it.
1: Yes, yes. That's amazing, because someone
0: in your situation might feel, you know, with all the shame and the abuse that you endured, could not even feel they deserve it. Like, how do you even have the audacity to, to tell yourself, like, for someone who's sitting at home saying, well, I don't deserve that?
1: Yeah. And that was a big, big problem for me is I felt like I did feel like I didn't deserve to have success. Um, And a big part of that part of that was is like, I didn't believe I was talented enough. I didn't believe I had enough skills. I didn't go to, you know, I'm a three time college dropout. Like, who am I to like teach people about business? You know, and it there was so many of those doubts. Like, I I just don't even deserve to even have clients. I don't deserve to make money. And it was just everything of, it was just always went back to the self-awareness of, like, any time I felt that in me, I was like, no, like, why wouldn't I deserve that? Like, me being here is a freaking miracle from the freaking universe. Like, the exact tiny little atoms had to touch the other tiny little atoms for humans to even exist, you know? So, it's like, I'm a freaking miracle. And me, we my, And we all are. All humans are. And, so why would I not be deserving of the abundance that is in the universe? Because it's already here. All the abundance is already here. It's just do we manifest it into our current, you know, circle of, of our situation or not? Which you know, with
0: making a decision, committing to what you want in life, understanding that there is always an opportunity to learn. You can have zero dollars and nobody has an excuse because there's all these resources available. And so whatever you want, start walking in that direction,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: incredible. And you were walking in the direction of personal growth of healing. Now, like, let's talk about healing from trauma, too, Mm because I think that's also important Mm -hmm. Um, for while I have you here. For anyone who's been, I think there's a lot of abuse in our community, and I think it affects Mm -hmm. not only our career success, but um, intimacy that women have. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of my clients, this is a big issue that I've, I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't know, probably in other communities, too, but for sure in our community, what can you say about healing trauma for women who are listening?
1: Yeah, trauma it It really works in in like cycles in it's figuring out when the cycle keeps happening again. and sometimes we'll br- end up we'll break off a relationship and then we end up in another relationship that's similar. Um sometimes we end up dating a person who is exactly like the horrible person who harmed us in the past. And for me i I had to. Really, truly just love myself in order to manifest people into my life who love me. And not even necessarily just intimate relationships, but just relationships all, all around. And surrounding myself with people who love me and support me makes the healing process a lot easier. Because if I'm having a bad day, I can say, hey, I'm having a bad day. Can I just talk to you for five minutes? Like I'm, I do like to talk things through with someone who I know cares about me and supports me. Um, but not everybody has that. And that went, for me, it went straight into learning how trauma worked. I started reading books about how, you know, trauma sticks in our body, how certain words trigger us. Um, I definitely have very, very clear words that still trigger me to this day. So it's not like a lot of the trauma just goes away. It's, it's there and it can likely be there for the rest of your life. It's just how we deal with it and how we manage it and how we communicate to our partners or people around us when we're having a really bad day. Like I, if I'm having a day where I'm like completely just like, oh my gosh, this day is just horrible. I just don't even want to talk to anyone. I cancel all my client calls, say I'm sorry. And I'm just like, go watch Netflix. Cause I'm just like, cause I just, cause some days it's just hard to function. And it's okay. It doesn't matter where you're at in business. You could be making a hundred million dollars a year. You still have days where you don't want to do anything. And it's okay. We have to forgive ourselves for having those days. But then how to how do we start feeling better? Do we use those days to just be self-loathing or do we use those days to journal or find a friend that we can talk to or you know, go on a run, take care of our body physically? Um, taking care of myself physically was one of the biggest things for me. Um, because I things to me manifest physically, like if I if I am having anxiety, I will always end up with some sort of physical health problem, always. And so I have to, you know, eat healthier, I have to be like, okay, I need to make sure I get my fruit today, or I make sure I get minerals. It's like, I have to do those things. And a lot of people don't, don't think about taking care of themselves physically how you're you're showing your body that you love yourself and you care about yourself because if you're all you're eating is potato chips every day like what is that really telling the universe in your body of how much you care about it and that's honestly one of the easiest starts because the mindset stuff is really 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 hard but it's a lot easier to choose to eat apples and bananas than to than to eat potato chips
0: That's interesting. So a way to start showing yourself and to start manifesting more, to show yourself how much you love yourself is with physical self-care. Yeah.
1: You know, working out. And you don't have to have a gym membership to work out. When I lived in Virginia, I worked out from home. You know, and I had two kids. Again, great
0: YouTube videos for working out at home.
1: Yeah, there's so many YouTube videos to work out at home. And I had two kids climbing all over me while I'm trying to work out, but I still did it. And I had like a four-pack abs. I was like, rip. You know, I was just like – wow, this is, like, really cool. Like, I got in so much shape just from working out at home. There wasn't even a gym in the town I lived in. The town had 5,000 people in it in Virginia. (laughs) There wasn't even a gym. So it's like I, I couldn't even go to one if I wanted to, you know, but I wanted to be in shape. I wanted to take care of myself. Um, and I, that to me was one of the easiest ways. And I think a lot of people, they start getting into working out and then they start getting into personal development. They start getting into healing. They're able to let out anger and stress and, and things that are going on with them. It's like, if you're really angry, go take boxing classes. Like, I mean, uh, you can get out so much rage, just taking a boxing class, you or know, watching
0: one on YouTube and
1: doing it. or watching one on YouTube at home and doing it, or just beating up pillows in your house, whatever you got to do, just get it out. Um, so I know I mentioned earlier I really love journaling. so I yeah, what do you write? how do you do it? So I have a few different journals that I, that I have. I have one journal that's just for gratitude. And that's pretty obvious. You just write things you're grateful for um, in that journal. Then I have a different one that's a, I call it my manifesting journal. and this one's more where I'm rewriting stories. So stories that I think are um, like how I want my life to be basically. And um, one of the things that came up with me through the past year of dating, one thing that came up to me is I, for some reason, I have this really negative belief that I wouldn't be able to find a person who supports me in my business, who like genuinely just wants to see me shine. And when I discovered I had this belief, it was actually because I was I was talking to a person, uh, to to a guy, and he had a business. And he, you know, he had said something like, you know, like, well, I, you know, you know, like if I'm like with a person for like the long term, like, you know, part of what I would expect is for them to, you know, be supporting me in my business. Like, you know, would you and he had like a T-shirt and he for like his brand. he was like, oh, would you wear this T-shirt? And I started kind of like being like, oh, well, it doesn't like look my style. Like I kind of was like making excuses almost to like not want to wear this T-shirt. Right. And then I came to the conclusion that it wasn't the. that was, like, something I wouldn't want somebody to do to me. So I'm like, why am I acting like this? Like, what the hell is wrong with me? And then as I was just thinking, and I'm, like, literally on a phone conversation with him. I was like, you need to pause a second. I need to think why I'm behaving this way. And he's like, uh, okay. So I start thinking, and I'm like, I'm behaving like this because I think you wouldn't support me. And that's why I'm behaving that way, because I think you aren't going to support me in my business. You know, you're not going to be cheering me on. And so it's making me. I'm like reflecting that behavior of the belief that I have, because our our behaviors reflect our beliefs. And so, and he's just like, "You're crazy." He's like, he's like, Why? Like you're dissecting this like right now?" I'm like, "Yes, no, but, it's so but I need I needed to." Like at that moment, I was like, "I have this. This is a horrible belief." So I used that manifesting journal to rewrite those beliefs. So I discovered I have a belief that I'm not going to be able to find a partner. Who will truly, genuinely be cheering me on in my business, who will come to dinner parties with me, who will, you know, brag about me to their friends at the bar. You know, like I But in your journal yeah. you're not writing the bad part. I'm things. not writing, writing the bad part, I'm I'm rewriting it as if that's happening. And what's so extraordinary about what you said that I think it's important to
0: bring up is that is this pausing to discover our beliefs. Mm-hmm. Cause so often we don't we 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 so often just take our beliefs for granted or don't even stop to consider what they are, Mm -hmm. and what the pieces of them are, and then how that impacts the behaviors that we have in our life. And it's so important, because there there are so many beliefs that hold us back, whether Mm -hmm. it's the belief that it's hard to find love, or the belief that it's hard to make money, I mean, or Mm -hmm. the belief that in your situation, that the guy you're going to be with, or the woman that you're going to be with, or whatever non-gendered human you're going to be with, (laughs) is going to not support your business, right? It's so important for us to look inside, and to pause enough to yeah. consider our beliefs, yeah. which is what I often use my journal for, is to yeah. see what am I believing right now.
1: Yeah. So, it's- so that's one of the journals I have, is a manifesting journal. And I kind of keep sections in it. I divide it in sections, like one's for relationships, one's for health, um, the other one is for parenting, because obviously, you know, I have three children. So that's a big part of belief systems I've had to rewire because being raised in an abusive home and things like that, I was just like, oh, my God, I'd be the worst mother ever, you know. So I had to really rewire a lot of beliefs around that. And then the other section, so I, I, let me try to remember all the sections. So, oh, and then one section's money. And then another is um Family and lifestyle because, you know, obviously I want to manifest things for for myself and my career, but also different things for my family and my kids. And, and, you know, I want to be able to, you know, I want to be the person that's like able to like pay all my best friends, like do things for me. So I can like take care of everyone. I just want to take care of everyone. Like, that's just like my dream life is to take care of everybody.
0: And in this manifesting yeah. journal, you're writing down positive mantras. Yeah. it that have to do with all these different areas.
1: And I do it more in stories because I'm very visual. Visual, So I like to kind of be able to visualize like this is, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I have a wonderful partner next to me. We have a fireplace. And I already have a, a, a person who's like our our house assistant has already came in and already turned the fire on for us. She's in the kitchen making smoothies for us now. You know, the kids are already up running around chasing each other in circles like like I'm writing it in that way like as if it's already happening like as if that is my life already I don't have a fireplace right now you know like I, I don't have a fireplace but I want a freaking fireplace I want it when it's freaking snowing outside I don't want to leave my house ever and I just want to sit by the freaking fireplace with the people that I love you know like and so I write it as if it, it's that's what my life is like and then I read it and I look at it and, and sometimes I change it and I'm like wait I don't, I don't actually want that anymore and it's actually been kind of interesting from since dating, I've discovered different things that I wanted for my family because before I wouldn't date someone that had kids. But now I recently have been dating people that have had kids, and I actually really like it. You know, So I was just like, okay, got to scratch that out of the book and like kind of read. Do you
0: scratch it or do you just write a whole new page?
1: I usually write a whole new page. Sometimes I scratch it out, but most of the time I write a whole new page. Then I have a different journal, and this journal is – Completely the opposite of probably anybody that's into personal development would tell you to do. But it's a rage journal. And I've actually been doing this since I was in high school. I didn't realize that it was, like, going to be so beneficial to me now in my life. But it's a rage journal. And in this journal, all I do is write how much I fucking hate everything. Like, whatever it is that I hate, I write it in here. If I think someone should fall off a bridge, I write it in there. I don't tell them; <laughs> I just write it in the ju- in this rage journal. And I feel like it's a way for me to let things out because I don't like working out necessarily a lot. I used to really, really love it, but I just haven't had as much time. And so I like to write in this journal and just rage and rage and rage and rage and rage and, rage and cry and sob. And there's a and it was um there's a really great book called Pussy written by uh Regi- Gina. Mama Gina. And in the book, she talks about how she gets her girlfriends together, and once a month, they do, like, a rage, like, kind of party. And I was like, Mama Jean is like me. You know, like, I was like, I have, like, this journal, and I write down, like, all oh, these horrible things. Like, oh, that person was such an asshole. Uh, why'd that person steal my cab? You know, all that sort of stuff, which I'm pretty mean to people that steal my cab. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but But, yeah, so I, like, just write down all the things that make me so freaking pissed off. And afterwards, I always feel so relieved. I'm always like, oh, my gosh, like, I got this out. And there are times where if it's something, like, really bad, I might, like, burn it. I like to burn things on, like, the – on the full moon, I burn shit. Uh, (laughs) I have, like, a little cauldron. I'm like, oh, I'm so witchy. I have, like, these little cauldrons, and I can burn things. Um, So if it's something really, really bad, I might rip it out of the book and burn it. But I have, like, this rage book, and – it's just a way to let me let things loose because I don't want to necessarily talk with a therapist about the thing over and over again for like an hour. And then there's like a whole, every session for a whole month is like me talking about the same stupid thing. No, I'd rather just like let go of it, you know? And, um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it, it, I just love having a place where I can do that Nobody else sees it, and it's just like, ah, F you, and I can just have a space to do that. So other people in the law of attraction might think that it's bad, but I think we need to get things off of our chest sometimes because you can't just be like, oh, oh, everything's just unicorns and rainbows because it isn't unicorns. Everything isn't unicorns and rainbows. It would be great if it was, but it isn't, you know, so you got to let it out.
0: Mama Gina and her book Pussy, a lot of what she teaches is that, you know, part of what it means to be a powerful woman is playing all – all the keys of our piano, including mm-hmm. our rage. But what she would also recommend is, in, in addition to the journal, is to just, like, move it through your body. Mm-hmm. and She calls it swamping. So that's what the girl yeah. parties are about.
1: Yeah, and they, they dance, and, and I love dancing. So I have been going dancing a lot. I feel like dancing does really just help me. And I go, go by myself. Like, one of my friends, she's like, you you went to the club by yourself? I was just like, well, I don't want to really dance with anybody. I just want to dance, you know? And at least if I'm at a place where there's a bunch of people dancing, I'm not, like, some weirdo or something just dancing in the middle of the street. You know, so, you know, like, like, I, I know, like, yes, movement, whether it's working out or dancing or whatever it is, can really help release so much stuff. And if, and I, dancing has been one of those things where it was like, I didn't do it for so many years. And then when I started doing it again, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, this is so powerful, right? Like just, just the body movement. That's what Mama Gina says to do, right? But then I had had a really bad health problem that was going on. And, um, I went to this full moon circle, um, and the woman who led it, her name was Olivia and she is a shaman and my oldest son's name's Oliver. So I was just like, Oh, I don't believe, I don't believe in coincidences. So I was like, this is like the female version of my kid. Like I want to talk to this chick. So I went and talked to her and she was like, Oh, here's someone like my services. She had a the services and she had this one on there that was called sacred womb healing. I was like, that's exactly what I need. Like I need this. Right. And she, I called her up, and she told me, like, it's Maori healing. And I was just like, okay. And she's like, it doesn't feel good at all. She's like, it's literally excruciatingly painful. And so I started looking up what Maoris, their belief systems were. And, like, and Maoris are from New Zealand, if people don't know. um, What their belief systems are about healing their tribal communities. And basically what they do is they put you in excruciating pain Because your cells hold pain. And there's lots of books that talk about this, how our cells, like, hold pain on a cellular level. And because you hold that pain, they put you back into pain to release the pain, right? And so I was like, well, this is going to be great. Um, So it was three hours of her grinding rocks and sticks and everything into every single cell of my whole entire body. It was far worse than labor, and I had natural childbirth. So, yes, it was excruciatingly painful. However, like
0: bruised everywhere.
1: There was no, no, there wasn't much. No, there was. I mean, a few spots. I had some bruises, but it was extremely painful. Like while it was happening, and um, afterwards, I was completely healed. It, it completely healed all the physical stuff. Like, I, I was having these things where I was having these, like, extreme periods. I was stuck in bed for days and days and days. Like, th- actually, there was a few times where my period just, like, would last for, like, six weeks. Like, I was like, I'm dying, you know? Like, and the doctors couldn't figure out anything. They did all the hormone tests, any sort of physical tests. There was not one thing wrong with me. So I knew that it was an emotional or spiritual or mental thing that was going on, right? And then I find this woman at the full moon circle, and her name is, you know, the f- the female version of my son. And, womb, and I was like, and she's going to heal my womb, right? Like, perfect, right? And, and it worked. And it was so... Just period stop. Yes. It? Yeah, it was it, everything stopped. My periods went to normal again. Everything was just fine. I, 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 I knew that's what I needed. And I think it's sometimes people, they get kind of freaked out like, oh, well, I don't want to have some like woo healing sort of thing. The thing is, if you believe it's going to work, it's going to work for you. If you don't believe it's going to work, it's not going to work for you. You know, and I think there's people just like, oh, those herbal remedies, they don't work. I was like, well, they freaking work on me. I don't care if they don't work on you. That's your own belief. That's your own problem, you know? Like, like if you believe it works, it's going to work, you know? like, And, there I mean, there's, like, this statue in Mexico where people go to it and they believe if they kiss it that they're healed. And people are healed because it's their belief system. It's not because a statue did anything or whatever saint it is that's on it. That thing didn't do anything. Their belief system is what did it. Yeah, the placebo
0: is just as strong as um as anything else. Yeah,
1: and I'm like, so what if it's a placebo? I think it's funny when people are like, they try to like bash something that's whoa, oh, just a some placebo thing. Who cares? It did the job. It works. <laughs> like thinking it. of
0: things that work, yeah. I don't want to let you go yeah, before yeah. I get a little bit just. Do you, do you have resources for healing sexual trauma or abuse trauma that you could recommend to women? Like what, yes. what you coach anything on YouTube? Yeah,
1: Rachel, Rachel Maddox is one of my favorites. Uh, we'll make sure we get all the links uh, to her. But Rachel Maddox, she has a book that's coming out called um, uh, Sex After Trauma. And she was uh, my spiritual coach that worked with me as I was going through the divorce with um, my ex-husband. She's really incredible. She does private coaching, but she also um, is now coming up with, you know, different sort of group programs and other things like that. She's really wonderful. Another person, though, Evian Whitney. Evian Whitney has this amazing course that is basically where you take sensual selfies of yourself. And in this course, like, I took this right when I was about to separate from my ex-husband, right before we, like, you know, decided, like, for sure that we were going to be separated. And I did this because I needed to really love my body. Like, I didn't love my physical appearance. And even though I'm a person who's on all these webinars and, you know, podcast interviews and all these things all the time, I – had a hard time even taking a selfie of myself. I was never the person that would just, like, take a selfie and just, like, post it on Instagram. Like, I would, like, take a selfie maybe with my kids in it or something like that, but, like, I didn't. I was like, I didn't. I'm like, how do I not even like what my face looks like? Like, what is wrong with me, you know? Like, I've done so much personal development, I'm still feeling these sorts of things. So I I found out about her course, I bought the course, and it just completely changed what I thought about my body, what I thought about my sexuality, my sensuality. You know, I was able to accept... The flaws like on my body, in, quotation. in quotations in quotation, flaws on my body. Um, it really helped me because, I, like I said, you know, I was raised in a very abusive home and I'm a 95 pound woman. When I was a kid, I was like, you know, super skinny, just a twig. And um, I'm also short. So, I mean, it's proportionate. It looks all right. But when I was a kid, though, if I just gained a few pounds, I had family members who'd be like, oh, you're looking kind of chubby today. And I'm like, I'm 90 pounds you know like but it but it still gets to you when you had people Telling that directly to your face, you know? And then of course, you know, magazines and all those things as a kid growing up, it was just like So were you able to change it and love your body? Yeah. I really love my body now. I haven't found that any partners even care if you gain a few pounds or not. So I figure if nobody else cares, why the hell am I caring so much about, you know, oh my gosh, I don't look right in this or my body doesn't fit right in these clothes anymore or whatever. I mean, I'm a freaking mom with three kids. Like, I mean, come on, I gotta like be gentle with myself. You know, like I like
0: and for our faces too like yeah
1: I feel the face part was actually the hardest part about it uh, because with my body I felt like my sexuality and I was exploring a lot of things I was starting to feel pretty confident about that but my face was so hard because it's like people look at my face and like I would start getting acne I still get acne like around my period I'm like I'm 32 years old why am I having acne it's supposed to be like a teenager thing you know um But it's like, so I still would have that. And so I finally started just like doing live streams without makeup on, like doing webinars without makeup on and just being like, this is just what my face looks like. And if people don't like it, then that's their problem. What are some
0: suggestions for loving your face?
1: So I started just appreciating my face because I was like, okay, I appreciate that my eyes are brown. I appreciate that I actually have pretty good eyebrows you know, finding the things that I actually liked about my face made it a lot easier because I was like, yeah, my eyes are like so brown. They're like almost black. And I'm like, that's super cool because I'm punk rock and we like everything black, you know, like I'm wearing all black right now, you know? Um, So I was like, yeah, you know, so it's kind of like I had to hype my face up a little bit um, because then I'd be like, oh, I need like lip injections. I'm like, "Why, why am I saying this to myself? Like, what is wrong with me? You know, like, why, like, why am I saying this? And it's just because you know, society makes it out like all the other chicks on YouTube. They all have like lip injections. So why shouldn't I do that? You know, and so we get all these weird things thinking in, in our heads, but it's really just checking yourself every time you start thinking those things. Everything for me just goes back to the self-awareness of like, why am I thinking this about myself today? You know, and I always have to remember, it's like, you know what? Other people have things worse off than me, you know, whether it's with our bodies, physically. Some people have more physical limitations. It's like we all have different things going on. So I always have to check myself with that. Um, So, yeah, so those two resources, Rachel and Evian, super amazing resources. Um, And um, tapping, that's another amazing freaking tool, EFT tapping. So there's... um, a few different books on different tapping, um, things, um, but there's one that's called tapping into wealth, which is a really amazing book about the money blocks, because these ones I talked to you about were more like sexual sort of things, but I, but with money blocks, tapping is really good because you're tapping, basically you're like hitting kind of like acupressure points almost like in your body, on your face, and you're, you're kind of rewiring your belief systems about things. And it works super, super well. You can do, they have EFT YouTube videos on just about any topic. So if you have a stutter, you can go on there and do tapping around that. If you, you know, you're just having relationship problems, dating problems, money blocks, basically anything you could do EFT, and it's something you can do on yourself. You don't have to spend a bunch of money hiring a therapist to do it. You can do it yourself. Um, Gala Darling, she has really great um, tapping stuff on her YouTube channel, like, Um, she has this thing that comes out like once a week, they do like tarot cards and stuff, but she does like a tapping that goes like along with it and stuff. And I love doing that. Like every single week, she's
0: a personal friend of mine. She's absolutely wonderful. Yeah.
1: It's the high vibe honey. That's the series that she has going on right now. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And, but I've bought her courses, the abundance courses are really great. Um, I discovered through doing her, that course that I had a, um, a belief around, um, Oh, I had a a fear of losing things, of losing what I had gotten. And it was making it harder for me to manifest because I got into this big place of fear with my separation. I started getting this fear that my ex-husband was going to try to sue me for everything. And doing her abundance course helped me tap myself out of that because she literally had a video in there that was, like, tapping about that. I was like, I didn't even realize I had this fear until Gala brought this up right now. Like, oh, my gosh. And so I'm always continually educating myself constantly. Most of the stuff I, like, I don't sit there and buying a bunch of, like, business programs. I'm buying, like, personal development programs and programs about sexuality and sensuality and loving myself and taking care of myself and even doing art and things like that. Like, I I spent so much time growing my business. I wasn't able to keep expressing myself with art. I'm now doing guitar lessons with my son um, because I used to play guitar. And I'm just like, why the hell am I not playing guitar? Like, what is wrong with me? I can, it's 40 bucks for a person to come to my house and teach me guitar. You know, like, I should do this. So... I got to keep showing the universe all the time that I love myself. I want to take care of myself. I want to be a better person. Um, and I'm always, always, always learning. It's something I, I just, I'm obsessed with learning. And I think that that's partly why I've been able to, to grow so much and heal so much. And
0: have so much success. This, yes. This constant investment in yourself is um, a really good model for us all to look up to and to remember. Because, you know, our community um, we could stand to have more success. I think Mm -hmm. if men are making, you know, for every man that makes a dollar and if women are making 75, 80 cents on the dollar, 70 cents on the dollar, I have a feeling the lesbian community is even less than that because Mm -hmm. while other people are striving towards success, we have to deal with sexuality issues and all that. Yeah. Um, so as a community we should all rise up and I love that you've been here to share all of these incredible lessons for, um, for investing in ourselves, for achieving more success and mm-hmm. with no excuses, because you know maybe there are some people listening who've had it as bad as you, but I don't know that would be pretty hard to pull off. <laughs> it
1: sounds like. Uh, and so, yeah, and that's not even all the stories. So it's like no, we only
0: had yeah. limited time, and yeah. I already have your assistant flagging me, letting you know that yeah. that it's that it's like that I can't keep you much longer, even though I could listen to this all day long. Yeah. Um. So I'm so grateful. Can Can you tell listeners where to find you, or what you're excited about, or how anyone can learn more and engage with your work?
1: Yeah, so I have a new blog called Sacred Mama that's coming out. Um, you can check it out on Patreon. Um, I actually just got the logo done for it, so it's, like, brand spanking new. And it's going to be more along the lines of my personal development sort of stuff and all this sort of journey that I've gone through, everything I've done through healing. I have a book that I'm writing through that. Um, so definitely please come and support my Patreon. Um, anybody that supports it, they get to see, like, behind the scenes of, like, the book in its creation um and then so that's one thing i'm really excited about um and then of course you can find me on freedom hackers anybody that wants to find any business related stuff freedomhackers.com i have lots of free trainings there um you can learn more about my story there um and that's kind of the main place for people to find me and i do spend a lot of time on instagram so at camera on instagram that's kind of my hangout i do answer all my messages personally there i do have an assistant but i like to i like to answer everything on instagram i feel like it's kind of where I get to really get, understand my community and talk to people. So Instagram's kind of my jam. Um, and then I am growing my YouTube channel pretty rapidly. So youtube.com slash camera lots and lots and lots of new videos are going to be coming out. I, I want to release a hundred by the end of the year. Um, it's a really lofty goal, but, um, I mean, I can do it, you know, <laughs> so I can do it. I'm, I'm going to try to do did. it. And I manifested someone who wants to in exchange for me to coach them be, like, my video person. So I literally manifested that today. I got a Facebook message, and there I was just know. like, let's do this. Let's get these 100 videos out. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I manifested it. Yay. <laughs> Yay for manifesting.
0: Amazing. So thank you so much. Any last
1: words? I mean, my main last words for something like this, if someone's on, like, a journey where they, they want to have success in life and business – is that we have to truly make that decision that I talked about and truly making it is proving to the universe that you really mean it when you say you're when you say that's what you want. You can't just be, "Oh, I really want this," and then you don't even try. You know, and I think everybody there's people that think, "Oh, if I just say a bunch of positive affirmations like, "Oh, I'm going to have everything." No, you're not. You have to take action. There's more than just saying it. You have to take the action to prove that you, that that you have to almost prove to the universe you really, truly actually want it. So yeah, my final words.
0: Awesome. All right. So take action today. Thank you so much, Kimber, for being here. You are such an interesting, incredible person to listen to. And I'm so grateful that you gave us this time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
0: And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this interview, but I'm curious. What of the many things we talked about was the most impactful for you head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and tell us not just why you found it insightful but what action can you take right now to put it into practice in your life what are you going to do either way definitely head over to womenwantingwomen.com and sign up for my email list to become a jordana michelle insider when you do you'll get instant access to an email training series i created to help you get started attracting the love you long for because I know that wherever she is, wherever the woman is that is gonna be your one true person, the woman that you spend your life with and love until death do you part, she's missing you just as much as you miss her. If she's not already in your life, she is longing for you. It hurts her that you're not together and you owe it to her to start taking steps, whatever you can do to start finding each other. So sign up for my email list for all of that and also exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. And if you're interested in finding your soulmate so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and have amazing sex together and cozy time every night and every morning when you wake up, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them and a free matchmaking survey any lesbian or bisexual or queer identified female can fill out so that i can keep you in mind while i'm meeting and working with the incredible women that i constantly connect with through the work that i do in our community i'm always trying to set women up and i might already know the perfect match for you so go find my survey and tell me about yourself so that i can help All of this is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. Go check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, don't forget that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. And wherever she is right now, she is missing you just as much as you miss her. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on Women Wanting Women.